the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Monday, June the 29th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 29th, 1613, London's original Globe Theater, where William Shakespeare's plays were performed, was destroyed by fire. The fire was started by a cannon shot during a performance of Henry VIII. I'm wondering why they would be firing a cannon in a theater, but I guess they wanted it to be reality. But that was William Shakespeare's theater, so to speak. Today in 1520, Montezuma II, the ninth and last emperor of the Aztecs, he died in what we know as the region of roughly southern Mexico, Central America, etc. But he died under unclear circumstances. He was emperor of the Aztecs, the last one. Some say he was killed by his own people. Others say he was killed by the Spanish. But many say Montezuma has had his revenge. You've heard that phrase? If you haven't heard that phrase, you can look into it. I won't explain to you what it is, but if you know, you know what it is. And some say that that's why Montezuma has his revenge to this day. Today in 1767, Britain approved the Townsend Revenue Act. It, was imposed, it imposed import duties on glass, paint, oil, lead, paper, and tea shipped to the American colonies. The colonists bitterly protested, prompting Parliament to repeal the duties, except for tea. And of course, a Tea Party would come later. Today in 1776, the Virginia Constitution was adopted. Patrick Henry was made governor, one of the great prolific speakers of early America during our founding. I suspect his statue will be ripped from its moorings very soon, if not already. Today in 1927, the first Trans-Pacific airplane uh, flight was completed. A couple of guys with the U.S. Army Air Corps they um, they arrived at Wheeler Field in Hawaii. This was 1927. And they, the plane they were flying was called the Bird of Paradise. And uh, it was two, 2,400 miles. They flew from Oakland to um, Hawaii. And it took them 25 hours and 50 minutes. That's a long flight. Today in 1974, Isabel Perón was sworn in as acting president of Argentina, two days before the death of her ailing husband, Juan Perón. Today, in 1995, actress Lana Turner died in Century City, California. She was 74. And today, in 2006, the Supreme Court ruled 5-3 to three that President George W. Bush's plan to try the Guantanamo Bay detainees in military tribunals other than American courts violated U.S. and international law. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you know this from memory, 
Many of you probably memorized it as a child, perhaps, hopefully, from the King James Version, so I'll read it to you from that version. I normally read from the New King James myself, but, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It's hard to get our mind and our heart and our hands around those kinds of statements when we live in such a time of chaos. And it is indeed a time of chaos today in our culture, in our world, and in our communities. But I want to tell you something, that God is working his plan through all of the chaos out there. God is not confused. God does not see the chaos. God sees his plan, and it's unfolding. I don't know what all his plan is, but I, I do know that it is for good, not for evil. The Word tells us, the Word of God tells us a number of things that we know about God and about his Word. And um, that's one of them, for sure. But I can tell you that God is in control. God is with us. And God's hand is on your circumstances. Peter, that's why Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Well, the Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana law regulating abortion clinics this morning. We were hoping that wouldn't happen, but it did, unfortunately. The (laughs) commitment to abortion rights over fierce opposition from the dissenting conservative justices on the Supreme Court, the first big abortion case since President Trump, the Trump era, came into the Oval Office. Justice John Roberts, whom George W. Bush appointed, I think George W. Bush, President George Bush, I think he honestly thought that Roberts would be conservative, be a constitutionalist. He's turned out not to be. He flip-flops. He's not even. He doesn't even seem to be stable in some of the decisions he makes. This decision is an example of that. He sided with the activists put on the court, some of whom were put on the court by Barack Obama, and they are activists. He sided with them, and he sided against two previous rulings that he made a couple of years ago. It's amazing. In the two previous abortion cases that were just exactly like this one in Louisiana, one was Texas, there was another one, he flipped. He was for it before he was against it. And he is the chief justice. It's very sad. But he's trying to define himself. I think he's absorbed with himself in trying to create a legacy for himself. And in doing so, he's using the most powerful position in the justice system of America, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Boy, Justice Clarence Thomas didn't like it. I'll tell you for sure. He came out, he said, today a majority of the court perpetuates its ill-founded abortion jurisprudence by enjoining a perfectly legitimate state law and doing so without jurisdiction. And he went on and on and on, and I won't take the time to read it. We don't have the time. But Fortunately, it made me feel good. Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, they were with Clarence Thomas on this one, 100% constitutional. 
the issue was very simply stated. The issue was that Louisiana was saying that if a, a doctor is going to be performing abortions, that doctor has to have hospital privileges in an area near the abortion clinic in case a woman has an issue. And they do. We all know that. And the Planned Parenthood people put up sheets and they try to sneak the women out when they're about to die and get them to a hospital. We've seen that happen in Washington State, and we've seen it across the country. That's what this was about, was saying the doctor needs to have privileges at a hospital in case there's you know, some kind of a life-threatening emergency during this abortion. No, they struck it down. They said, no, we don't want that. We don't want them to have to have hospital privileges. In other words, that was an anti-woman choice that they made today. Very, very, very disturbing. But that's the world we live in. And that's why we need to keep, we need a president who will keep nominating to the best of his ability. Sometimes you can't tell. They'll fool you once they get on the court because they're on there for life. There's no... Um, no, there's no kind of response. I mean, you can't undo what has been done, but you make the best choice you can at the time. But that's why we want a president who will choose to the best of their ability, conservative constitutionalists for the Supreme Court. Pew Research put out a, a report this morning, just a couple of hours ago. They have found, again, same as last year, 48% of Americans are consider themselves pro-choice. 46%, this is all Americans, not just voters, but all Americans. 46% consider themselves pro-life. Joe Biden is probably a, a good example of a confused person. He has said, and I've said often on this program, I've quoted him because it's unbelievable that he's had the career he's had. He's leading Trump in the in the polls now. We'll see what happens over the next few months. God is in control of all things. But it's interesting. He said the other day, talking about this coronavirus, the resurgence, he said, well, he said, now he said we're in a position where he said, I hear people talking about praying. He, you know, touts himself as a very devout Catholic who is personally pro-life, but professionally, he doesn't feel as a politician he can force his views on others. Those are his words. That is the most <laughs> unbelievable comment, but he makes it all the time. It's kind of akin to Nancy Pelosi using scripture to advance abortion and gay rights. And she made a big speech about gay rights the other day and same-sex marriage, putting it all in the context of God's word and faithfulness to the Bible and on and on and on. But anyway, Biden made this statement. He said, we can't wish this virus away. He was, of course, attacking Trump. He said, there are no miracles in life. And I thought, what? It's a miracle that we're here. God created the the whole process of humanity and the reproduction of human beings, life itself. There are no miracles in life. Joe needs to go to Mass or whatever more often, I'll tell you. Well, there's been another shooting in Seattle's CHOP protest zone this morning. Uh, Yeah, this is the fourth one, I believe. Uh, One guy, a male, a man, they're not releasing his name, but um, 
He's dead. Another one's in critical condition at Harborview Hospital. This comes after Mayor Durkin is, has said as lately as Friday she is dialoguing with the protesters on Capitol Hill. But reality paints a very different picture. Another person dead in this utopia and one in critical condition at Harborview. Also, the newspaper is reporting this morning, the Seattle Times, very carefully how they word it, I've noticed, that hundreds of people marched to Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin's neighborhood yesterday, Sunday, calling for the city to invest, they were calling for the city to invest more in communities of color and slash the police department's budget. Now, keep in mind, put this in perspective. This was yesterday after one man was killed and another person critically injured in their utopia that's six blocks on Capitol Hill. They're demanding that, that Seattle slash the police department's budget. Protesters were doing the same in St. Louis and other cities across America. When they got to the mayor's home in St. Louis, they were met with guns pointed right at them. They didn't stay very long. Seattle is quite a different story. Seattle, the city once known as home to Bill Boeing, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos, world leaders in airplanes, internet, and online retail, is now best known as the home of CHOP and confused city leadership. Minneapolis was once known for being the town from which Billy Graham launched his ministry and home to the Billy Graham Association for more than a half a century. It's now known for bowing to rioters, abolishing the police department, and now we find out hypocrisy among the city leaders who abolished the police department. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. It seems to me that the tail is wagging the dog. And I think I know why. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of this ministry. It, it is a ministry. I am an ordained minister, pastor, youth pastor, music pastor, all of my life, my adult life. I feel that God has put it on my heart to do what we're doing because this is a time when we need to be having, I believe, some straight talk based not on my ideas, but on God's ideas, God's word. Because all is in flux and change around us. There is nothing that seems to be fixed today. But I will tell you there is one thing that is unchanging. That is what we call the Bible, God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. And every day on this program, we try to look at what's happening that day. That's why we originate live every morning. This is not a pre-recorded program that was made last Friday uh, in our spare time. This is something that we do, and it takes a commitment on our part and on the part of the people who carry the radio stations, particularly ACN, that carries this program. It's an extra effort. But we do it because we want to speak to the culture in the moment when it's happening. And we do. And I know many of you recognize that, and I want to thank you for your support. We, we have no other source of paying our bills except the people who listen and believe in what we're doing. 
And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because I can't tell you how strongly I feel that the Lord has led me to do this. I wouldn't do it otherwise. I just simply would not do it. But I feel this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and so many of you have joined and make it possible. Thank you so much. If you haven't become a supporter of this ministry, but you believe in it, please do. We need you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Last Friday, City Crews showed up at the in the country of Chop on Capitol Hill. That's six square blocks of utopia in their mind. City of Seattle, 6 a.m., with the intention of removing the rioters who have declared it an independent city and state for the past number of weeks. City crews with trucks, backhoes, other heavy equipment, they were met with significant resistance by the citizens, also known as rioters and lawbreakers, who became agitated. They became aggressive toward the guys from the city. I wrote an article on this today, and on it there's a picture of these people laying down in the middle of the street with this gigantic big backhoe approaching. They knew, I guess they hoped, the backhoe driver wouldn't run over them. He didn't. But it's chaotic by all accounts. By 8 o'clock, however, the city crews had left the area without even removing the barriers that serve as a border wall of these people who don't believe in border walls around their newly created country of CHOP. It's amazing. The mayor's spokesperson told Fox News the plan is to clean up the mess that has existed for weeks. Well, it's a great plan, but there's been no... There's been no sign of any ability to do so. <clears throat> Their plan includes reasoning and bribing the residents of CHOP, apparently based on what they said, causing them to have to leave peacefully. The city said it plans to, beginning today, offer social services to protesters to encourage those living there overnight. Some are coming in and out. They have certain passes or something, but there's a group of them that are, are living there. They've set up tents and the whole deal. But they they said, if they're experiencing homelessness, these are their words, a city spokesperson, if they're experiencing homelessness, we are going to uh, offer them shelter. But if they're, if they're coming, you know, if they're transitory citizens of this CHOP area, they're going to bribe them to leave peacefully by offering them certain benefits. However, King TV, King 5 TV, says that according to David Lewis, one of the CHOP organizers, protesters, they're holding out, allowing the barriers to be removed. I mean, get this. This is against the city of Seattle with all the resources. These people are holding out. He says, we're not going to let them interfere with our town here, our city, our country, actually. We're holding out, allowing these barriers to be removed because we require... This is the CHOP official speaking. We require that our demands are met. That's the same thing I've heard by a little two-year-old in a grocery cart when we used to go to grocery stores all the time, sitting there with his feet sticking out toward his mom, and he's demanding that he wants a certain item from the shelf, and she doesn't want it as they pass by in the cart. Same thing. This guy says, we require that our demands are met. And that's what they're saying across the country. Mayor Jenny Durkin, who's referred to the illegal seizure of six city blocks, has called it a festival. I've said this before, but it still stuns me. 
that anybody in an office like she holds would be that ill-informed or just stupid to make such a comment. But she's made it publicly, nationally. She's called it a festival, a summer of love. (laughs) She said, her spokesperson said yesterday, safety is the city's first priority and planning is ongoing for how to safely transition the Capitol Hill area. People are being killed there practically every night now. They're going to safely transition? These chopites have been riding for weeks, demanding chop zone be a cop-free zone while driving the police from their East Precinct building. Three separate shootings, now four this morning. When the police responded to 911 the other day, I haven't read, it just happened about, I think it was 3 or 4 o'clock this morning, 3 or 4 a.m. this morning, when this most latest shooting and killing took place. But the last time, the other day, when the police showed up after the 911 call, they got, they threw, the riders threw rocks at them and bottle, excuse me, the residents, the citizens of CHOP, threw rocks and bottles at the police, driving them back from the critically wounded person. You know, in, ni- in the 1980s, tourism officials nicknamed Seattle the Emerald City. They did so because they said at the time it lies between, and it does still, it lies between two beautiful bodies of water, Puget Sound on the west, Lake Washington on the east. But today it more resembles the Emerald City that a tornado lifted Dorothy Gale from Lucas, Kansas. Remember that story? Lifted her to a faraway land of Oz, where her arrival sets in motion a prophecy about a disastrous event known as the Beast Forever and strikes fear into the land's almighty ruler, the wizard. On her quest to meet the wizard in Emerald City, Dorothy encounters witches, an amnesiac soldier, a sheltered little boy, and many more mysterious beings who will ultimately shape the future of Oz and Dorothy's place in it. In Seattle, the tail is wagging the dog. They live in la-la land. The people who have been elected to rule cannot. Minneapolis was once the home of hope. Billy Graham, probably the best known, definitely the best known, probably the man, definitely the man who preached face-to-face to more people than anybody in history since Jesus Christ came and brought Christianity, as what we call Christianity, to our world by giving his life on a cross outside the city gates of Jerusalem. Billy Graham has spoken to, did the late Billy Graham, spoke to more people face-to-face than any other person ever did in Christian ministry. And Minneapolis was proud of that. Today, the home of hope has become the home of hypocrisy. Channel 9 in Minneapolis is reporting that Minneapolis, Minneapolis, the city that launched Billy Graham Ministry of Hope, has become a place of hypocrisy. Yes, they have under experienced and undergone a terrible tragedy. That, as many of you know, is the place where George Floyd, in custody of a policeman, was murdered by the policeman. It's unthinkable, it's unexcusable, it's certainly unacceptable. Anyone who isn't outraged over that needs help. 
But is this a reason to abandon reason? The Minneapolis City Council voted recently unanimously to adopt a resolution that officially commits them to replacing the police department with a community safety model. In other words, psychologists, sociologists would go out and talk to criminals, sort of talk them down and talk them out of committing the crime. TV9 is reporting that following the unanimous vote of the council, council members then hired a private police force to provide the council members personal protection at city expense. Yes, that's right. They they vote to get rid of the of the police department, then they go out with the taxpayers' money who are no longer protected by the police department and they hire their own private firm. Now, I'm not making this up. I know it sounds ludicrous, but it's true. The first in the first 3 weeks they've had this private police force it's cost the city $63,000. It's hypocritical to abolish the police department on one hand, take away the deserved protection of the public, while on the other, other hand, they, they're, they're causing the citizens to pay for their private police force because they really do believe in police. They just want to virtue signal and say, look how compassionate, look how virtuous we are. We're getting rid of the police because they're corrupt and they're no good because a police officer murdered a man. And that is horrible. And it is. When asked about the specific threats on Friday, the the city council members in Minneapolis said, well, they didn't have any specific. Ironically, this morning, I noticed an article. I didn't have time to read it all, but it was saying that they now do have some threats. Did they get them over the weekend? No, they had forgotten about them. They said, In Minneapolis, the tail is wagging the dog. This is a snapshot of our culture today. Everyone is desperately looking for answers to a culture that's burning, a virus that is resurging, an answer sheet that is essentially blank. Everybody understands the problem or they know about them. Nobody seems to understand the answer. I've written about this a lot, but there is a phrase, the tail wagging the dog. It's an American political idiom that dates back to at least the 1870s, probably earlier. But the meaning is clear. The dog is supposed to be smarter than its tail. But often it's not. These are those times. The prophet Isaiah wrote something several thousand years ago that's critically important to our times. He said in in Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, and I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. In other words, they'll be looking for truth. They'll be looking for answers, and they can't find it anywhere. Why do they find? Why can't they find it? I'll tell you what I think. On July 1st, 1824, the great preacher and former lawyer, Charles Finney, was ordained to the ministry by the Presbyterian Church. Once he began preaching, he preached the gospel forcefully, and there was almost a continuous revival. He later became the the pastor of Second Free Presbyterian Church in New York City, and it was more like a revival than it was meet for an hour and have a good day, and here's five things. I mean, he said on December 4, 1873, in a sermon, he said, If the culture is corrupt, it's the fault 
of the pulpit. We need to revise what we're saying to the culture. I'll see you tomorrow.